Good morning, church family. I'm so glad that you decided to tune in today. And we're looking forward to having a special time together studying God's Word this morning. And I'm really excited about today, but I'm very excited about next Sunday, Easter Sunday. And hey, I know the world looks different right now, but I just want to tell you, Easter is still on uh, next Sunday. And we're going to have a fantastic time worshiping the Lord together with a special online experience. And we have some special things planned for next Sunday. And so I want to make sure that you are tuned in, ready to go. And I want to encourage you to invite a friend to watch with you next week and share that link with someone. Let someone know on social media. Uh, We're going to have a very special time together. And uh, we're believing that God is going to do something special in an online format. And uh, we're praying that many people would come to know Christ and that God would do an incredible work in our midst. So don't miss it. Next Sunday at 1030 a.m., our Easter online experience, Death to Life. And it's going to be an awesome time together. Uh, But this morning, we're going to be back in the book of James. And we're studying the book of James together. This is our third week studying the book of James. And so I want to encourage you to grab your Bible, uh, wherever you might be watching from this morning. And uh, wherever you're watching from, would you give me an amen this morning? And uh, go ahead and leave that in the comments. Amen. And uh, we're looking forward to James chapter number one today. And this is week number three. And I want to bring a message today that I'm calling this. Walk your talk. Walk your talk. And we're going to be in James chapter 1, and we're going to start reading in verse number 18. And this morning, we're going to study verses 18 through 27 together. We'll start reading in verse number 18. James says this, Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. I'm willing to bet most people didn't use that phrase this week uh, at home. And receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass, For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he, being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious, and wherever you're watching from today, say seem. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, But deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Today, let's talk about this subject walk your talk. Let's have a word of prayer together. Father, thank you so much for this day that you've given us. God, thank you that we can come together and worship you, uh, even in technology. God, we're praying. Uh, for what's going on in the world right now with the coronavirus. God, we're praying that you could bring healing. God, we're praying that you can bring restoration. And God, we're believing that you can bring us through this season stronger than ever. God, I pray for our Rock Hill Church family that we would be able to uh, focus on you during this season, that we could focus on your word. And God, I pray that we can come out of this season with a better and renewed focus 
uh, for the things of the Lord. God, I pray that you'd be with us in our time this morning. God, I pray that we can have a, a great understanding of James chapter 1 and what it is you would have us do today. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Several months ago, I was at the airport and I was with uh, Daniel Foster, our youth pastor, and I was with Seth Brown, our worship pastor, and I was with Katie, my wife, and uh, we were at the Dulles International Airport there in Washington, D.C., and we were traveling and we were tired, uh, but we found out that our flight was canceled to come back home, and so we were pretty bummed out about that, and we were kind of desperate to get home, and so we went over to the Delta flight desk, and I was going to try to talk to that lady there, and, and uh, hopefully she was going to help us get onto a new flight, but I could tell just within seconds of talking with her uh, that she was not in the mood to help us, and uh, how many of you have ever uh, been talking with someone, you just knew, okay, they're not in a good mood, they're not uh, going to be very helpful. Well, this was that lady that morning, and she was telling us that there wasn't um, another flight that we could get on and that uh, it was going to be very difficult and she was kind of moving really slow and she did not seem very helpful. And then she said, kind of unenthusiastically, she said, you know, at Delta, we care about our customers. And I don't really know what came over me, but in the moment I looked at her and I said, you know, ma'am, I don't know if you do. And just in a matter of seconds, really, she magically found a flight for us to get on. And in the next 45 minutes, we were on a plane and we were headed back home. And she was saying that she cared and she was saying that uh, she valued what was going on in our lives, but her actions said otherwise. In other words, her words did not align with her ways. And I think, unfortunately, in 2020, that could be said about many Christians who claim to follow Jesus that their words do not align with their ways. And many times we profess something that we just simply don't practice. And I believe more than ever, right now in the world today, what the world needs is some Christians who will align their words and their ways, and there would be some real Christianity and some real faith for the world to see and for the world to emulate. This was something that Jesus was very passionate about. In Matthew chapter number seven, Jesus said this, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of God, he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And so Jesus said, it's not about just what we profess. It's about doing the will of the Father. Now, if we're not careful, we could read that verse and we could think, well, is Jesus talking about a work salvation? Is he saying that we have to do something in order to be saved? What's the will of the Father? Well, to answer that question and to understand the context, we have to know what Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse number 40, where he says this, And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. And so what did Jesus say? The will of the Father is that we might see him and believe in Jesus Christ. And so the will of the Father is that we might be saved. Uh, but what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 7 is, hey, it's, it's far more than just what we say. It's far more than just having an inspirational quote that we see on Pinterest. It's far more than just a cliche saying that we can put on a coffee mug. No, what we need is some Christians who will stand up and stand for the truth of God's word and, and align our ways with our words. And so we come to James, and James is going to challenge the church about this about this idea of being an authentic Christian, being real, having a real faith. Now, uh, in our first two weeks, we've already talked about uh, the trials uh, of our tribulations, and uh, last week we talked about temptations, and so now we're gonna talk about authenticity. 
And the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 12. For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience that in simplicity and godly sincerity. And so those are two very important and key words for us this morning. Godly sincerity. Not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you word. And so the question that we all need to ask this morning is, are we walking in sincerity? Are we walking with authenticity? Are we practicing what we profess? And so this morning, as we look to James chapter one, I want to give us five ways that we can walk our talk. Five ways that we can live out a genuine Christianity. And I want to encourage you, wherever you're watching from today, grab a pen, grab some paper, uh, grab an iPad, grab a phone, because uh, I'm going to give you a lot of things to write down today, and we're going to get really practical this morning. And so five ways that we can walk our talk. Number one, we have to start with salvation. You can't talk about authentic Christianity if you're not actually saved. We can't talk about having real faith if you've never actually placed your faith in Jesus Christ. I've known many people in my life that they went to uh, high school and they went to Bible college. I've known one person even who got married and went into the ministry and then realized I've never actually been saved. And so this morning we have to investigate and see what James is talking about when it comes to salvation. And it starts in verse number 18 when it says this, of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. Now the key word in that verse is the word begat. It's the Greek word apakuo, and it means to give birth to. And so James here is talking about our spiritual birth. He's talking about our salvation, how we were born into the family of God. And so we have to recognize here in verse number 18, he's talking about our salvation. And he says this, it's of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. And so we see that salvation is by the grace of God. It's of his own will. We have to understand this. It's not our will. It's not my will. It's not willing our way into heaven and willing our way into salvation. It's of his own will. It's only by the grace of God. I love what the Bible says in John 1, 13, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. He says, uh, which were born, talking about, again, our spiritual birth. He says, it's not the will of man. It's not the will of the flesh. It's by the will of God. And I just want to remind you today, salvation has nothing to do with your ability. It has nothing to do with your family. It has nothing to do with your sincerity. Salvation is all about the grace of God. James says, it's of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. I read an interesting story uh, not too long ago about a uh, New York City firefighter, and his name was Frank Costa, and he was a Christian who was giving his testimony to uh, a firefighting function, and he said this in that testimony. He said, speaking to a group of firefighters, he said, you know how when you want something done right, you do it yourself? He said, when it comes to salvation, God rolled up his sleeves and he did the job himself. See, salvation is all about the grace of God. It's of his own will. But then it's also by not only the grace of God, it's by the word of God. Because he says in verse 18, of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. And so it's by the word of God. This is something that uh, Peter reiterated in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 23. It says, being born again. Again, we're talking about uh, being born into the family of God. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of the incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. 
Last year, uh, one of the highlights of my life was being able to sit down with my daughter, Liv, and she was asking me some questions about heaven and, and about hell and even about sin and what does it mean to be saved. And Katie and I, we wanted to make sure that we were being very cautious with her and, and making sure that she really understood uh, the principles of salvation. And so I was asking her some tough questions about, about sin and about death and about heaven and hell. And she was retaining that knowledge and she clearly understood and she was convicted of her sin. And so uh, last year she prayed to accept Christ as her savior and she became a Christian. How did that happen? It was by the grace of God and it was by the word of God. See, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so this is what James is saying. He's saying, he's saying uh, we have to start with salvation. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. And so the question that I have for you this morning is, is very simple. Have you been born again? Are you a Christian? Have you truly been saved? The Bible says this in Romans 10, verse number nine, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and thou shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Has there been a time in your life when you placed your faith in Jesus and Jesus alone? We have to start with salvation. That's what James says in verse 18. And then in verse number 19, he says, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word. And so essentially what James is saying here is this. If you are a Christian, act like a Christian. Uh, be slow to speak and be slow to anger, be slow to wrath, and put away uh, superfluity of naughtiness. And, and you have to uh, live up to your calling. See, a high birth requires a high calling. And so James says, hey, live out your calling. You have to start acting like a Christian. And a part of that in verse number 20, 21, he says, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, the word that was planted into your heart at salvation. And this brings us to our second point today. Number two, if you're taking notes, we have to stand with scripture. And so if we're gonna live out an authentic faith, we have to start with salvation, but then we have to stand with scripture. Everybody in the comments, put stand because we have to stand with scripture. Now, in our culture, it's not hard to find a cause to stand for. It seems like we live in a generation where there's always causes that people are rallying behind and people wanna support uh, different causes. In fact, uh, several years ago, I watched, it. I watched a college girl that went into the city council meeting in Santa Clarita and she passionately, and, and she was very serious, she passionately begged the city council that they would tell McDonald's to bring back the McRib sandwich. And she was just so passionate about that. Please just bring back the McRib. Now, I've never had a McRib. I'm sure it's fantastic. But uh, that's what she was uh, passionate about. That's the cause that she wanted to stand for. And more than anything in this generation, in this time in which we're living, we need some followers of Jesus that will stand unapologetically with the words of God, with Scripture. And so James is going to dial in here uh, our focus on the Word of God and on Scripture. So notice what it uh, says in verse number 22. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. And so James compares the word of God to a mirror. And uh, it's a mirror that reveals who we really are in light of who God really is. And so he says, when we look into the word of God, we're looking into a mirror. And then it says in verse number 24, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. And so James kind of gives a humorous illustration here. He, he says, it's like someone who looks in the mirror 
and doesn't want to make any changes and just goes on his way and doesn't fix anything when he looks in the mirror. Now, I know that we're having online church this morning, but I would venture to say that most of us still woke up and at some point, hopefully, you looked in the mirror. And uh, when you looked in the mirror, you probably saw some things that you wanted to change. Maybe you washed your face or brushed your teeth or combed your hair. And uh, we look into a mirror and we want to make some changes. Now, if you're in junior high maybe, or maybe in elementary, you look in the mirror and you just think, I'm good to go. And uh, there's not really a whole lot of changes that I care to make. And James says, how silly is that for us spiritually to look into the mirror of God and say, yeah, I'm good to go. Oh, that was a really good word. But if we don't apply it, if we don't make any changes, how silly would it be for us to do that? And so James says, hey, we've got to have a whole new perspective on the word of God because we are living in a generation of Christianity that is content to have a verse for the week and just have a little bit of scripture in, but it never changes. It never penetrates the heart. And so James says, no, we've got to take some action on this. Now, if we're going to do this, I want to give us a helpful acrostic that maybe will kind of uh, help us uh, when it comes to studying the word of God. And here it is. It's the word Eat, E-A-T. Everybody at home in the comments say eat. I love it at my house when my wife Katie, when she says, hey, it's dinner time, it's time to eat. When she says it's time to eat, I'm ready to go. Well, when it comes to the word of God, we've got to eat. And I love what uh, the Bible says in Matthew 4, 4. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And so Jesus says, hey, we've got to eat. When it comes to uh, the word of God, uh, I want to give us this acrostic here. And it stands for this, examination, application, transformation. We've got to eat. Examination, application, transformation. Notice verse number 25. It says this. Here's the examination portion. He says, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, referring to the word of God. That, that word looketh, uh, it, it literally means to stoop down and to get a close look. We're really gonna examine this. We're not just gonna kind of glance at the word of God, but we're gonna gaze into the word of God. By the way, uh, don't expect a blessing from just glancing at the word of God when we are called to gaze into the word of God and study and to meditate on scripture. And so James says, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, saying, hey, you have to pay attention. You have to examine the word of God. In our small groups, the last several weeks, we've been using the Zoom app. And if you're not in a Zoom small group, get into a Zoom small group. Uh, but we've been using this app, and I read there's a feature on Zoom. I haven't used it yet, but I'm interested in it. And it's actually uh, a feature that will track people's attention. And so if someone's not paying attention or looking down, it'll alert the host of the meeting. And I'm thinking that maybe we should try to implement this feature in our small group. So if you're not paying attention, we'll be able to call you out on it. But uh, when it comes to the word of God, so often we're just not paying attention. Uh, we, we have the word of God. We have access to the word of God, but we're not really examining the word of God like we are called to do. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.15 that we are to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And in this season, when there's isolation and quarantine, when we're, we're in our houses on lockdown, man, what an opportunity that we have to study God's word. I wanna encourage you, maybe pause Netflix for a little bit, maybe pause Tiger King for a little bit, and let's examine the word of God. Get a Bible dictionary, uh, get a commentary, uh, get a Bible and get in front of that and read the word of God and study the word of God and let it change your life. We've gotta examine God's word, so E, examine. But letter A stands for application because he says in verse number 25, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty 
and continueth therein. By the way, it's not just a one-time thing. We've got to continually do this. And continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. The blessing comes with the application. And so we've got to examine God's word, but then we have to apply God's word. And a couple of days ago, I was getting ready for our Easter experience, and I was outside doing a project, and I got sunburned. And it seems like this happens to me every year around Easter. I get a bad, bad sunburn. And uh, this morning, I brought with me some sunblock for a little illustration this morning, because I always carry some sunblock in my back pocket. And so uh, I brought this sunblock with me. And let's imagine today that I said, hey, I'm going to go to the beach and uh, I'm going to have a relaxing day, and uh, uh, I don't want to get sunburned, so I'm going to bring this sunblock. Let's say I went to the beach, and I carried this sunblock everywhere I went. I carried it with me. I never let it leave my side, and, and I knew everything about the sunblock. I knew the SPF, and let's say I even memorized the back of the sunblock bottle. I knew everything there was to know about it. I memorized it. I had it with me. Would that do me any good at the beach? No. <laughs> it wouldn't do me any good unless I applied it. And see, so many people are getting burned spiritually and relationally because they know a little bit about God's word, but they have failed to apply the word of God. It's all about the application. James says we can't just be hearers of the word of God. We've got to be doers. We have to apply the word to our lives. And so every single time we approach God's word and every single time we hear a sermon, we have to ask the question, how does this apply to my life? What change can I make? James is saying we have to be doers of the word of God. And so then letter T is transformation. Because if we examine the word and apply the word, that will lead to transformation. It says this in verse number 25, doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. He's going to be blessed. There's going to be a blessing from that. John 13, 17 says this, if you know these things, happy are ye, if you do them. He says, if you know these things, happy are ye. It doesn't end there. Happy are ye. You're good to go. No, he says, happy are ye if you do them. If you apply them, it will lead to life transformation and a blessing. And I just want to encourage you today. You might think, well, you don't know about my past and you don't know about my wayward child and you don't know about my family situation and you don't know about how crazy things are at my house and and there's no way that my relative would ever come to know Jesus. Don't ever underestimate the power of the word of God because the power of the word of God has the ability to transform any person, any situation for God's glory. And so when we come to the word of God, we have to come with the right perspective. We've got to eat We've got to examine, apply, and let it transform our lives forever. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And I'm thankful that there is new life found through the life-changing message of God's word. And so today, real Christianity, we have to start with salvation. Are you saved? We have to stand with scripture. This leads us to our third thought today, number three. We have to speak with wisdom. We have to speak with wisdom. Notice what he says in verse number 26. He says, If any man among you seem to be religious, so if someone acts like they're religious and acts pious, he says, Pay attention. If they seem to be religious and bridleth not his own tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. So James says, Hey, we have to be very careful about the words that are coming out of our mouth. We have to be very careful about the power of of the tongue. The Bible has so much to say. In fact, in James chapter 3, in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about it um, extensively, but there is, there is great power in our tongue, in the words that we say. 
The Bible says this in Psalm 39, verse number one. I said, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. And so we have to be very careful about the words that we're saying. Have you ever said something and almost immediately you thought, shouldn't have said that, <laughs> and I wish you could just kind of take it back in? I remember when I was in second grade, um, me and my second grade teacher, we, we were not always seeing eye to eye, and I remember one day she asked me to move desks. She had me sit somewhere else, and instinctively I looked at her and I said, you can't tell me what to do, Miss Bossy. And uh, that's just kind of what came out of my mouth. And shortly after that, I got a note home to my parents that I had to bring home, and I, I regretted saying those words to my teacher. And so often we get in trouble because of the things that we say. The Bible says this in Proverbs 10, 19. In the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. Refraining, holding back, bridling. J James compares the tongue to a, a wild beast. Hey, we have to bridle it. We have to take it under control and harness it. Kent Hughes said this, the true test of a man's spirituality is not his ability to speak, as we are apt to think, but rather his ability to bridle his tongue. Maybe the best thing that you can do in this season is to not post that status. Maybe the best thing that you can do in this season is to not voice your opinion. Maybe the best thing that you can do in this season and the most wise thing to do in this season is to not interject a hurtful word. We have to speak with wisdom. That's what real Christianity is all about. We're speaking with love and we're speaking with wisdom and we're not tearing people down, but we're building people up. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, building up, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And more than ever, we need some Christians today that will say, you know what, I'm not going to tear everyone down that's not just like me, but I'm going to seek to build people up and spread words of life and words of love to the people that are around me. We have to speak with wisdom. This leads us to our fourth thought today. Number four, if we're going to walk our talk, we have to serve with love. We have to serve with love. And so we want to start with salvation. We want to stand with scripture. We want to speak with wisdom and with grace, but then we want to serve with love. Notice verse number 27 in our text today. It says this, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. So here it is. You see, he makes it very simple. Let's boil it down. Pure religion, real religion, this is what it is. He says, it's to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. James says real religion has nothing to do with temples and ceremonies and, and all outward acts and, and, uh, and all of these rituals and processes. He says that's not real religion. Real religion, real Christianity, real ministry is serving other people out of love. Now, if we're going to do that, we have to do two things. We have to identify the vulnerable. We have to identify the vulnerable because he says, let's visit the fatherless and the widows. These are the vulnerable. Uh, these are the people that need love and that need help. No doubt you've been reading the news about COVID-19. It's been everywhere you look. And uh, uh, we've learned about this virus that it affects the elderly. And it's, it's perhaps more dangerous to 
the elderly. And so when we shelter at home and we practice uh, quarantine and when we do these things, a part of it is sacrificing for the elderly, saying, hey, we care about the elderly in our community. And what we want to do is we want to identify in our lives those people that are vulnerable and make sure that we're serving them with love. Because by the way, God cares about all people and all life. He, he cares about all life. Hey, God cares about life in the womb. God cares about life in the nursing home and life everywhere in between. That's the kind of God that we worship. He loves all people. And so it's our job as followers of Jesus to identify the vulnerable and serve them out of love. That's what real ministry looks like. Real ministry is not about how great the lights look and not about how uh, perfectly synced in time lighting is and not about how awesome the sound system is and not about how great the video looks. Hey, that's not real ministry. Real ministry is visiting the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. It's serving people out of love. And so we've got to identify the vulnerable. But then secondly, if we're gonna serve people out of love, we have to expect nothing in return. Because something that's so interesting about this category that James mentions, the fatherless and the widows, they typically don't have anything to give back. And so often we serve because we want something in return. So often we serve because we want a little recognition, we want a pat on the back, we, we serve because we want someone to give us an IOU, we want someone to return the favor, we want some sort of compensation for serving. But James says real ministry, real service, is identifying the vulnerable, serving them out of love, and expecting nothing in return. When was the last time you showed someone love and expected absolutely nothing in return? Because that's real ministry. That, that's showing the love of Jesus. First John 4, 7 says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. That, that, that's what real Christianity looks like, loving other people. And this leads us to our fifth and final thought today. Number five, if we're gonna walk in real Christianity, if we're gonna walk our talk. Number five, we have to step with caution. We've gotta step with caution because the last part of verse number 27 says this. It says to keep, uh, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Keep himself unspotted from the world. Now, when James says the word world there, it's in the Greek talking about a worldly philosophy, a worldly system of living. And James says we have to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. We have to keep ourselves separate from that, making sure that we are walking in holiness and acting like a Christian. We don't want to get caught up in that progression of sin like we talked about last week where lust hath conceived and when lust hath conceived it bringeth forth death. James is saying, hey, let's keep ourselves unspotted from the world. Now, he's talking about pursuing holiness here. And there's two types of holiness that I want to mention in conclusion. The first kind of holiness is practical holiness. This is just when we pursue God and we try to live in a way that's according to God's word and uh, it's sanctification. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. And so this is practical holiness, that we are to be in the world, but not of the world. And uh, we're not to conform to the world, as Romans chapter 12 says. But then there's also positional holiness. So there's practical holiness. This is when we pursue to walk uh, in sanctification. But then there is positional holiness, and this is great news today. Because I read this verse, and uh, this week I was thinking about this, and to keep himself unspotted from the world, unstained from the world. 
And if you've ever had a pair of white tennis shoes, you're gonna know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, if you have some white shoes and uh, you go out and about, and it's so hard to keep white shoes clean, it seems like whenever there's a little spot on the white shoes or a little stain, it just frustrates me. And uh, it seems like when I put on my white shoes, it's like a magnet for my kids. Uh, my son Luke will love to just come and jump on my jump on my shoes when I'm wearing white shoes. And it's so frustrating, it's hard to keep those shoes clean. And sometimes we think, man, that's like Christianity. It's so hard to live a life of holiness. And it's so difficult uh, to, to pursue God and to do uh, what I'm supposed to do according to God's word. And, and, and while, yes, the Holy Spirit can give us power and can give us victory and should motivate us to live in sanctification, sometimes we get discouraged because we think, man, this is hard. But I love what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 because we have to understand our position in Christ. It says this, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. This is what theologians call the great exchange, that he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God. And I just want to encourage you today that if you have accepted Jesus as your Savior, that you can say with confidence, I am the righteousness of God. And when God looks at your life, he does not see uh, your sin. He sees the righteousness of God that has been imputed and that has been placed on your account. This is our position. We have been justified, declared righteous. And this is good news today because yes, we want to pursue holiness. And yes, we want to do what the word of God says. But we have to understand that when it comes to a holy God, that we are positionally righteous before him. And this is great news for us today. This should motivate us to walk our talk. Today, I wonder, how can we walk our talk? What would God have you to do? Maybe you need to stand with scripture and start diving into God's word. Maybe you need to speak with wisdom and speak with grace. Maybe you need to step with caution. Or maybe you need to start with salvation. Maybe you've never come to a place where you've placed your faith completely in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you. Today can be the day of salvation for you. Remember, it's of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. It's only by the grace of God, only by the word of God can you be saved. It's not by religion. It's not by trying to be a good person. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done. It's according to his mercy that he has saved us. And so today, I would encourage you, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you can do that today. Let's have a word of prayer together this morning. And I want to encourage you, however God is speaking to your heart today, I would encourage you to respond. And if God is leading you to make a spiritual decision, email us at hello at rockhill.church. We'd love to rejoice with you in that decision. But I want to encourage all of us today, let's walk our talk. Let's live out authentic real Christianity. And if you're here today and, and you're not saved, and when I was speaking about salvation earlier, God was speaking to you, maybe your heart was feeling convicted, I would encourage you, you can pray and accept Christ this morning. What I'd like to do in this concluding time in this online service is I'd like to just lead in a simple prayer. And I want to invite you to pray along with me. If you'd like to invite Jesus into your life and trust him alone as your savior. You can do that. And you can know for sure that you have a home in heaven forever. And so I'm gonna lead in a simple prayer and I wanna invite you wherever you're watching from today, you can pray and accept Christ this morning. You can repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've done wrong. 
But God, today I want to turn from my sin and I want to trust in you and you alone. I believe you died on the cross for my sin and I believe that you rose again on the third day. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for welcoming, welcoming me into your family. In Jesus' name, amen.